Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I'm going to share a recording of an interview where the table was turned on me. I was actually the one getting interviewed uh, by my good friend, Nick Johnson. Uh, we're, we're members of GoBundance together. And in GoBundance, there's these things called micro tribes, which is a super cool thing that GoBundance has started doing where you literally create these micro tribes and, um, you know, somebody takes the lead on it and you gather as a smaller community, a smaller micro tribe, as the name says around something that, you know, the group of people are interested in. And so this particular micro tribe I was speaking to was a group of guys that are working on exiting their W2 job and, you know, just creating strategies. And it's a group of guys that hold each other accountable to, you know, things they need to do to, to, to be able to exit their W2 job. And, you know, being that I exited my W2 job, gosh, it's been 20 years now. Um, I had the opportunity to share with these guys. So I thought that you guys would like this interview, just kind of thinking about, um, you know, how I thought about things and whether you've exited your W2 job, whether you never had a W2 job, whether you love your W2 job and want to stay there forever. It doesn't really matter. There's fundamentals around, um, you know, whatever stage you're at and whatever you want out of life that I think you can get for anything. So um, yeah, I just thought this would be a value to you and just kind of get into the mind of the way that I think. Uh, and again, with the tables being turned, um, it's not, you know, there wasn't Nick asked some questions, but it was more, um, there were some questions being asked, but then, you know, just more my philosophy on, um, life then and how it all came about. And I, like I said, I think you'll just add value to your life. So hopefully you enjoy it. So, um, Mike, thank you so much for being here and, uh, uh, let's just get right into your story. If you could uh, give us a uh, high level, um, what your background is, what you used to do when, back when you had a W-2, take us through your exit and, uh, and kind of high level what you're doing now. Yeah, happy to do it. <clears throat> Nick, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm, I found myself lately just, you know, every chance I get, um, it's awesome to get in these little micro tribes because the tribe's growing so quickly and everybody's looking for such different things. It's, it's amazing how the micro tribes are developing. So uh, yeah, bottom line, appreciate you having me. So long story short, I was a plumber by trade. Um, I see, I see tree on the call, on the call, we've been talking about service businesses. So out of high school, um, which I won't go too far into this, but I ended up with a drug problem, um, ended up in jail, methamphetamine, means all kinds of stuff, which uh, Chris, Chris and I have talked about this. But once I finally got out and got my crap together, um, I had had a guy that had asked me to uh, join his apprenticeship program. I had worked for this plumbing and heating company during the summers when I was in high school. And so as I was getting ready to graduate, he had asked me to join his apprenticeship program. I said I didn't want to be, you know, in the trades. I had no desire to be in the trades. But then when I went off the deep end and and decided to come back together, I was looking for a job. I found myself um, actually working at uh, a hydraulic hose manufacturing company. And all of a sudden one day 
you know, I was talking with Nick about this yesterday. I'm, I'm kind of a guy that's led by my intuition. There's not a lot of planning around me. So you have to take what I say today, like with a grain of salt when it comes to like a five-year and a 10-year strategy, because that's not how I think about things. And so I know a lot of you guys are like, you know, strategizing and planning your, your W2 exit for a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. That's not how I operate. So um, somewhere in the middle, there's a win there, but and I'm not saying either one's right or wrong, but when you hear the story, um, I literally thought about quitting my job for about five seconds before I did it. Um, so just, we just got to be careful there. Cause I'm not telling any of you guys to like, you know, just throw in the towel and, and do what you need, do what you need to do and go for it. Although it may sound like I'm saying that. Um, so anyway, long story short, I'm working at this, um, hydraulic hose manufacturing company. And I literally called my future wife one day and I said, Hey, I'm going to be quitting my job in the hydraulic, uh, hose business. And I'm going to work for this plumbing and heating company. The problem is I'm going to be working out of town, um, you know, six, seven days a week. And she was like, no, you can't do that. And it's funny because she has a podcast called Marriage, Money and Mayhem. And she talks about how even at a young age, I mean, I think she was probably 17, 18. At the, she was probably 18. Um, even at that young of an age, she was like, you know, trying to, to stop me. And I was like, no way, I'm going for this. So I went to work for this company, um, went through a four-year apprenticeship program, became a plumber. I quickly rose through the ranks. I found myself through a series of events. Um, I found myself working out of town. So I'd been... I was probably a fifth year plumber at this point in time, um, done with the apprenticeship program. I'm working out of town um, as a number two with this guy named Jerry. We're just starting this huge casino, uh, restaurant, uh, hotel remodel in Wendover, Nevada, which was a border town between um, Salt Lake and, and Elko, which is where I lived. So I'm working out of town at this point in time. So I, I fast forwarded um, a little bit here but I'm married at that point in time for probably four years. Um, I'm 20, I'm 23 years old at this point in time. I've got two sons and my wife's pregnant with our third child, um, Caton. And so when I go over to Wendover, Nevada, I'm working as a number two under this guy. He gets called back to a previous job um, where they had decided to accelerate a phase two. And they basically said, hey, we're gonna give this job. It was a gold mine in Nevada. We're going to give this job to this company that I was working for, Schneider Mechanical, but we want Jerry to run the job. So they took Jerry from the job I was on, and all of a sudden I'm left as a 23-year-old running a $3.5 million casino remodel, um, hotel remodel. Uh, I'm in over my head at this point in time, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. Like My boss told me, he said, hey, listen, I need you to just hold down the fort, keep things going. I'm going to send you help. We're going to find another foreman. We're going to start running ads. We'll get you a foreman. And then a year later, I'm, I'm still the foreman. I'm running this job. And as I was telling Nick yesterday, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to digress for just a second. So growing up, my dad was always gone. He was an alcoholic. He was a drunk. Like literally most of my memories of my dad are either abusing my mother or he's gone. There's these periods of time where my dad's just not in my life. Like he would leave and then he would come back. So, and as a little guy, you know, I didn't really know what was going on, but what was happening, he was just like literally disappearing. I don't know if my mom and I have never really talked through this, but I don't know if he was just on drugs. I don't know if he was with another woman. I don't know, but there's these periods of time where my dad was just gone. He wasn't a great dad. Um, like I said, abusive, drunk. Most of my memories are, are him crying to my mom, which now I know as an adult, what he's doing is apologizing for being an asshole. Um, and like, I see all these memories of my dad, like crying, right? And so 
fast forward, um, my dad and my relationship with my dad, and then also, you know, seeing the relationship that he had with my mother, that really shaped, uh, that really shaped who I didn't want to be. And, you know, if you ask my wife today, I mean, I'm not perfect. She's not perfect, but we're actually, we've been married for 22 weeks, uh, 22 years this week. Um, so early on, and the reason why I was digressing here, I always had every intention of being the present father. I wasn't going to miss soccer games. If, if my kids wanted to go to motocross, we were going to motocross. When my daughter had dance competitions, we're going to dance competitions. I was never going to let my job get in the way of being a good father or a good husband and not being present. Um, and fast forwarding too, by the way, I carried that into uh, my business life and, and still uh, have that today. My wife and I literally decided when we got married that we were going to, this was a literal conversation. We're going to create memories over possessions. And what I quickly realized over time is that you could have both, right? And so bring you back to the story. So I'm running this three and a half million dollar job. I'm 23 years old. I've got between 15 and 22 guys working for me. I'm working seven days a week. I'm out of town. I'm missing the entire pregnancy of my third child. It's exactly what I didn't want in life. Um, so I find myself in this situation where I was telling Nick, I would literally pack up my bags Sunday night and I would drive home and I would eat a cold dinner because I'd you know, be home by eight or nine o'clock. I'd eat a cold dinner, I'd wash my clothes and I'd leave at three o'clock in the morning and go back to work for a week. And completely missing my, my little boys, completely missing my, my wife's pregnancy. And through a series of events, so two things happened. Number one, um, the guy that owned the business, his name was Doug and he's still to this day, one of my greatest mentors taught me so much. Um, he had decided that he was ready to sell the business and he was gonna sell the business to a group of four of us. So we went to a Saturday morning breakfast meeting with the four of us to kind of strategize what this was gonna look like. And one of the main guys that had been my boss for years had worked in the company for probably 25 years. And he was literally like the estimator. He ran the crews, he ran the office. He was basically like, okay, guys, we're going to be equal partners, but I'm going to be in charge. And I'm just like, immediately, like I had this vision of like anything with four heads is a monster, you know, like, like some kind of dragon with four heads. And I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. And so as we were leaving, um, the guy that I was driving with who became my business partner, he said, what do you think? And I said, you know what? I think if we're going to do this, we should just do it on our own. So a couple of things there. I had zero intentions of starting my own business. What I thought your own business was, was basically working 90, 100, 110 hours a week. I didn't want to start my own business. I didn't realize that I was an entrepreneur. I had no clue whatsoever. I was not in a group like GoBundance. I was not in a position like you guys were, you know, I'm thinking about my W-2 job. I never even, there was not even a, like a terminology of, a W-2 versus an entrepreneur versus an investor. None of that existed in my world. But what I did know is I didn't want to be in business with four other guys um, like that. And so I basically looked at my business partner and I said, why don't we just leave and, and do this on our own? And he's like, well, let's do it. And it literally, like we're driving home on a Saturday. That was the first time I thought about, you know, starting my own business other than potentially buying this other one. So I get home, I tell my wife, I said, hey, I think we should, I think I should quit. I think, I think I should start a business with my partner. And she's like, great. What's it look like? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like we don't have any capital. We had no credit. I didn't have any 
savings. I was making $22 an hour at that point in time. Um, I'm 24 years old by the time we're having the exit conversation. And uh, you got my third child on the way. Uh, no savings, no money, no credit, no, no business experience. I'm a plumber. And she's like, awesome, let's do it. And so we pulled, um, we pulled a very small 401ks. I think it was combined, it was $75,000. And we said, um, so here was our theory. We're good plumbers. We had good contacts. I'm going to buy a truck. He's going to buy a truck. And we're going to go just, you know, take care of our clients. That was our, that was our business plan. Like basically I'm going to run a truck. He's going to run a truck. We're going to, you know, do accounting at night, whatever that means. Um, so we, we quit, we left, we applied for licenses. So we went and met with our boss and he was basically like, told my partner, you can leave now. And then he looked at me and he said, I need you to finish up the job. Cause basically at this point in time, I'm running this three and a half million dollar job and we're all on time and material. So I literally have stacks of invoices of things they need to collect and everything else. So he basically fired my partner and, you know, I spent the next month probably cleaning up, uh, trying to finish up the job for this guy. Uh, we started working on the contractor's license, got our contractor's license two months later. Um, here's the cool thing. And Nick, we can go wherever you want after I kind of wrap this up. But the cool thing is, is even at that point in time, like people rallied around us. There was a guy that was running, you know, some pretty big jobs that we had done work for before. And he knew we were quitting and starting our own company. And he basically said, why don't you guys come to work for me until you get your contractor's license? And you can just start keeping track of invoices and I'll start signing them. And then as soon as you get your contractor's license, you can bill me. He's like, but you guys are gonna have to work for free till then. And we're like, yeah. So basically it took us like three months to get our contractor's license. We pulled the 401ks and in our mind, we said, okay, well, we'll take the 10% penalty. And then we've got 12 months essentially to pay for the taxes, right? We got to make this thing work. So we went all in and I was telling Nick, just kind of fast forwarding and I'll put a bow on this. Um, by the end of that year, so we actually got our contractor's license in June. And by the end of 2004, we had done a million dollars in revenue and we had 15 employees. Um, and, you know, I was, I was telling Nick this, this too. Um, I was a plumber, man. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't even know how to balance my checkbook. And, you know, so customers are like, you need to bill me, you need to invoice me. And we're just like, we're doing everything we can to just try to keep up with this. And so I quickly realized as a 24 year old entrepreneur, business owner, um, and if you guys listen to my podcast ever, you know, Chris, we've spent a lot of time talking. Um, if you know anything about me, you know that I always want to be the dumbest guy in the room. And I think that's the key to my success. I'm always looking for people that are smarter than me. Somebody has the answer to everything that I don't know. And it could even be an answer, like in the form of a coach or somebody, you know, giving you wisdom or insight, but it could also be you know, as Dan Sullivan, I coached with Dan Sullivan for a couple of years with strategic coach. And he always says who, not how, right. Him and Ben Hardy just wrote a book together. Ben actually spoke to the tribe two years ago. Um, but it's a who, not how conversation. So somebody has what I need and that's the power of groups like GoBundance. And so anyway, to, to kind of clarify what I'm getting at there from the beginning, like I hired a consultant to come in that literally camped on our conference room uh, table for six weeks straight, building our accounting systems, um, you know, teaching us how to run a business, like consulting with us. Um, then I found, you know, an industry coach through a series of introductions. And so coaches, 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 coaches. Um, two things, and actually I'm going into the business of buying HVAC companies again. 
we're launching a fund as we speak. And I'm working with that same consulting business again to do it all over again, but at scale. And the one thing that that coaching company taught me, I'm sitting in a three-day business planning workshop and, and my head coach at that point in time said, if your business is not helping you achieve your personal goals, you just own a job. And so this is the W2X at Microtribe. But the thing that, you know, Nick and I had a lot of conversations about yesterday um, getting clarity on what you actually really want and why you want it is the most important thing with everything because you could start a business and still not have your freedom. Um, I'm not saying that's good or bad. That's for you to decide, but getting clarity around what you actually really want, the W-2 or the business or the investment properties or whatever, those are just the vehicles to get there. The important part is getting real clarity around what you actually want out of life. And when that, when my head coach asked me the question or he stated that, he actually stated the statement. If you, if your business is not helping you achieve your personal goals, you just own a job. And so I really will put a bow on this and button it up and let Nick or you guys take over, but um, keep rolling, keep rolling. The important, the important part with, with all of this for me um, is just really deciding, you know, having real clarity on what you want. I think that's the most important part of, of the entire outcome. And so fast forward, um, we were on the Inc. 2009 fastest growing companies in America list. We got to over 100 employees in a market that's literally probably 45,000 people. Um, I didn't know, nobody told me that I couldn't do it. Everybody that I surrounded myself with just encouraged me, challenged me. I'm in this little tiny market. I did the calculation one time and we actually owned... 5% of the rental properties in this market. But nobody, like if you would have told me up front, Mike, you're going to own 5% of the rental properties in the market. I would, ah, I can't. But nobody ever told me I couldn't do it. I just surrounded myself with a bunch of who's. I'm like a really good who finder. I just surround myself with, again, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. And so I did that at every step. And I didn't have a bunch of voices telling me what I couldn't do. I'm surrounded always with guys like Go Abundance groups that are just always telling me, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I never had those negative voices in my mind, but here's the thing. If you would have told me in 2004 that in 2009, we were going to be on the Inc. fastest growing companies in America list, I would have shit my pants. So part of our problem is, is like we go for these grandiose visions, which I think is good, but it's kind of like what Gary Keller said. We, we tend to overestimate what we can do in 12 months, but underestimate what we can do in five years or 10 years, depending on, you know, where I've heard it. And so I think just finding a balance between what you actually really want first and foremost, and then just surrounding yourself with the people and the resources and the things you need in order to get there. Um, the money, one of my mentors always says, always in just in time. And just like leaning into, I'm reading a book right now called The Surrender Experiment. And I so believe in, in just that. And I don't care if you're you know, a Christian or an atheist or agnostic or whatever you believe, you could be a Buddhist, it doesn't matter like the universe conspires around you for greatness. When you set the expectations and you throw it out there, what you want, you have to throw it out to people. You got to protect who you're saying it to. Cause again, you don't want a bunch of people shitting on your vision. It's hard enough for us in our own minds. I mean, how many of you guys question yourself every single day? We are our worst critic. And so we don't need other people telling us how stupid we are and how we can't do things, et cetera. So Number one, getting real clarity around what you actually want. Number two, making sure that your circle of influence is actually a positive influence because you don't need people shitting on what you do. So two more things. Um, I ended up exiting that company in 2014 um, through a series of, again, just events that came out of nowhere. Um, along the way, my wife and I 
uh, started buying real estate. I was telling Nick, we ended up with, by 2014, I had um, five mobile home parks, uh, 45 single family doors and three commercial buildings. Uh, just, just us, not, not syndicated, not, not with partners. Um, exited my business in 2014, had that real estate portfolio. And then that kind of led me on the journey um, that kind of brought me to where I am today. Uh, I connected with the real estate guys. I joined that mastermind, which was my first mastermind that I ever got into. I met my current business partner. We started teaming up. He already had some uh, mobile home parks with another partner. I came on on the operations to kind of clean some of this up and take it to the next level. Um, that's been a run in itself. I mean, it always sounds like, you know, sexy and glossy when we're given the, you know, the 15 minute overview or whatever, but um, you know, it's all a lot of work and it's all a lot of clarity and, and just powering through it. And, but it all comes back to the same thing for me. Um, you know, it's always a who, who has the deals, who has the money, who's the operator that I need to surround myself with, who's the connections I need, who's the group of people like GoBundance that I need to surround myself with to keep myself, you know, on fire, encouraged, challenged. Um, so Nick, where do you want to go, buddy? Yeah. So, um, we'll just, uh, Keep moving. I'm sure there's a lot of questions out of that, but we'll we'll come through these. So, um, I know you 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 thought for five seconds I'm leaving, I'm leaving. But think way back before that. Before that, was there anything that was holding you back? Something that was troubling you inside? Um, like anything that that comes to mind that you didn't talk about? Troubling me um, to not quit my job or troubling me to stay? To stay. Something that was pulling at you to stay. Mm. Well, I think it's, a, you know, all the normal things. I mean, security. The good thing, though, guys, this happened to me so quick. Like, I, I was 24. Again, I didn't have anything. So it's a lot harder to walk away from something when you're, you know, I didn't have anything. So there wasn't a whole lot of risk. And literally, Nick, I don't think you and I talked about this, but I remember having a conversation with my wife as we were getting a little further into it and I'd put my notice in, um, you know, I'm not saying that there wasn't any fear or concerns or any of that. I remember having a conversation with my wife and I said, and I still use this tool in my own thinking today. Um, and by the way, I'm a really simple guy. So, you know, nothing's going to be like probably earth shattering, but this is, this is the question I ask myself all the time. And I asked it then, and I asked it out loud to my wife, well, what's the worst case scenario? Like literally, what's the worst case scenario? Um, I have to go back to work for Snyder Mechanical, my, my, old, my old company, or I have to go to work for you know, one of their competitors. Like it doesn't get any worse than where I was in my mind. You know, I was making $22 an hour, I was an employee. And if I went off and started my own business and I failed, what, like what's the downside? There, there wasn't a whole lot to me. so. Yeah. I mean, Nick, I had all the normal, you know, fears and concerns and, um, you know, I've got three little babies at home. My kids are all really close. My oldest son's 21 next week. Um, so he was literally born 12 months after we got married. Uh, my middle son is, is uh, 19 and my daughter's 17. So, you know, we had our kids really close together. Um, yeah, I got all these little kids at home. My wife wasn't working. It was her lifelong goal to be a stay at home mom, um, which she did. And, I have amazing children. Um, so super thankful for all that. But yeah, Nick, I was, I was scared just like I'm sure everybody is when they're getting ready to pull the trigger, but man, I think you just got to know and, what's on the other side of that and, and push through that. Right. Yeah. And, um, I like that fear studying 
uh, mentality there. Um, just kind of go through it. What is the worst case? It sounds reasonable and good. So um, what if, uh, how about going back, if assuming your old self would listen to you, um, is there any kind of advice you'd give, give young Mike? <sighs> you know, I would have hired, I would have hired smarter people than me faster. Um, and what I mean by that, you know, you guys already had the stage set. So 2004, by the end of the year, we've got 15 employees by 2009, we're, you know, fastest growing companies in America. Um, I invested in coaches, consultants, we, we paid our employees well, but I didn't invest in leadership teams early enough at a high enough level. Okay, that's good. And um, if I could clarify anything on that, just just for um, so, that that was grinding, right? Like, because again, I can bring in consultants, but you can't manage, you can't effectively manage 25, 35, 45 field employees without good management teams in place. Um, and we were always riding a pretty fine line on that. Until I figured it out. Was that um, like chicken or the egg or was that just an oversight you think back then? It was or a lack of understanding. Oversight. Lack of understanding. Yeah. Okay. Total sure. lack of understanding. Um, lack of knowing. So here's the thing I'll tell you guys. I've had this conversation so many times in the last 12 months. As real estate guys, we're really good at ROI on properties. So if I'm going to buy a million dollar property and I'm going to put a hundred grand into that property and get leverage on it. And it produces, you know, 15 grand a year for me. That's a huge, that's a 15% return on my capital. Right? So like, it's a no brainer who wouldn't put a hundred grand into a property to get 15,000 a year back. Right. But when it comes to investing a hundred grand or 120 grand or 150 grand in leadership or individuals, like we don't understand that as young entrepreneurs, as, investors in businesses. We don't understand cash on cash return on people. It's really mm -hmm. hard to get our brain into that mode. And so, yeah, to answer the question, it was a lack of understanding that, you know, I don't know that I fully understood until a few years ago. So how do you look at that now? How do you, do you actually look at the dollar amount coming back or, cause it feels like there's so in, there's a lot of intangibles, right? Like the amount of work it comes off your plate um, yeah, they could bring 300 grand if you pay them 150, but it's not always that easy. So, so Chris, I look at two things. Yeah, I look at two things. So number one, um, I'm just going to drop this out there. I'm a huge fan of traction. I'm a huge fan of EOS. Um, if I had had that 20 Nick to answer, maybe even a more direct question, young self, um, hire an EOS traction implementer immediately. Like, cause if, you know, we just brought one in probably within the last two years and it's totally revolutionized our business, our communication flow, the efficiencies. Um, so Chris, back to your question, um, having real clarity on your business plan for the year, um, your projections, your budgets, who you need, where, which traction is really great at this, you know, um, 
it goes back to the who, not how, but then right people, right seats, which is an EOS term and, and basically getting back to your org chart. But like, if I'm filling four roles on the org chart, I look at this two ways. Number one, if I put a person there and it's going to cost me a hundred grand in order to achieve whatever my current budget or projections are, that's a way to calculate your return. And we've got to know too, that, you know, we're impatient. Most of us as entrepreneurs, um, you know, anybody that's in the GoBundance group is driven. Um, we're impatient. And so when I look at like bringing in somebody that's going to cost me 150 grand a year, I want to return in two months. That's just not real. I saw a report from Harvard that on average, it takes eight months for a person to really reach their stride on, on the average type of job. And some of those are even longer. And, and, and it, even at eight months, like it could happen in four months if the roles are very clear and there's somebody there to train them. But the reality is, is we tend to, especially in growing companies, we tend to just throw people in there and it's like learning by fire, right? It's the tribal training method. And so to answer your question, Chris, having clear budgets, projections, and then understanding what seats uh, need filled. But even further than that, when I look at ROI, I look at the roles that I'm filling or other key people in certain positions are filling. And if I don't replace myself here, what's it costing me for me to not be freed up five, 10, 15, 20 hours a week? If I could free myself up 20 hours a week to go do something else that I know, like what's that return worth? And so if I have to put a $150,000 person in a position to free me up 20 hours a week, even if it takes them 40 hours a week, but I can go make another million dollars doing something else, that's a huge ROI. So I look at that twofold, um, you know, what do you need in order to fulfill your vision, purpose, budget, mission for the year? But then even further, if I can get somebody to free me up, what's that return? Yeah, so, so uh, I guess my last, well, my last uh, canned question, then I got a couple of bonus, extra special bonus questions. Um, so going through this process, leaving your W-2, um, all the success you had in business, all the stuff you're working on now, like I know these were, some of these are, are very fast decisions, but what, what did you learn about yourself or the process uh, that stands out as something that was really surprising to you? <clears throat> I'm really, really just really good at, I'm a visionary. Like it took me a long time to realize this, but I think I got glimpses of it early on. Um, that's why we grew so fast. Like I'm really good at just rallying people. Um, I'm really out of their way. Um, you know, a lot of times we want to control the process. Our ego gets in the way, you know, we want to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, we want all the glory. All of us have, we all have a, a version of ego within us. And the faster you can like really just set that aside and realize the faster you get out of the way, the faster you're going to get what you really want. Like none of us actually want especially if we're like, if we've quit our job and we're entrepreneurs or we're investors, none of us actually really care about the plaque that says, you know, we got leader of the year award. Like who, who fucking cares? Like, sorry. Um, like who cares that I have what I want. I have my freedom. I, I have my business. I'm, I'm successful. I've got revenue coming in. I've got my, my time with my family. So the sooner, like, I'm pretty good at getting out of the way and not being the smartest guy in the room. And so I guess just tying that together, that's probably something that it took me a while to really pinpoint it, 
but I was pretty good at it naturally. And, and Nick, some of that may have been out of like almost not even being able to breathe because we were growing so fast. Mm -hmm. Like it might have been an unfair advantage that we grew so quickly because I had no choice, but to get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in our, in our talk, we, we talked about energies a little bit. Um, so, um, you, you talked about three types of energies and can you kind of go into those and, and how they, they might play a role or do play a role in our W2 exit journeys? Yeah. And actually this will play a role in any area in your life, in my opinion, um, relationships, exits, whatever. Um, there's, there's basically three different energies in, in, in my mind. Um, well, I didn't come up with this, so it's not even in my mind. Um, there's, <laughs> sorry. Um, there's, let's see, we talked about like creation. Yeah. Creation. Create, I was kept wanting to say starting. Yeah. It's yeah, not creation. starting. It's creation. So there's creation, transformation, and completion. And these are cycles that happen with everything in life. Um, and I think we just have to be cognizant of where we're at in that. So a lot of times, um, you know, even you guys might be in a, like a creation cycle internally, like what's next, but, but we have to be really careful that we don't go from, you just got to really know what it is that you want. And, you know, sometimes we have to go through the transformation and completion cycle in order to really launch into that new creation mode. I'm not very good at that. Um, so understanding what your strengths are, and I've got a coach that I work with on a weekly basis, have been for a while, love him. Um, I'm, I primarily live in the creation mode. I'm a creator. So there's basically three energies and one of them's dominant for most of us. I'm, I'm, I'm a creator. There's transformers and then there's completion people. And, you know, whether you do the disc profile or anything else, you can kind of find a semblance of that. Um, for me, understanding that I'm primarily in creation mode is why I'm so good at delegation and moving out of the way. Cause I want to go create and then work with someone else to move through transformation and bring it to completion. I'm horrible at completion. I don't finish anything. Like I literally don't finish anything. And I used to, you know, my wife would get mad at me. Like I'd start doing the dishes and pretty soon I'm in the office organizing like, <laughs> um, and, and people, you know, maybe that's a version of ADD, but you know what? I think it's a personality type too. I'm not saying the ADD isn't real, but Chris, you're, you're ADD, right? Like, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, totally. um, it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's a part of me that's like, just lean into your strengths. And, you know, in your W2 job, you might have to be in all those energies because you might not have the choice to delegate something to a different team member or whatever. But as you move through your investing process and entrepreneurship, now it's your choice. And so I tend to try to live, I try to spend 90% of my time in creation and then let somebody else move through transformation and then let somebody else move through completion. And when we really, you get to understand this not only is it beneficial for us because you get to live in the zone where your strength is but it also helps you free up other people because if people are good at transformation and you're trying to get them to be a closer or a completion then you're frustrating them too and so i love those three energies um thanks for bringing it up nick and i think it's important um, to just really identify like where you live in those energies um and it really doesn't matter by the way i'm not a believer that in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to live in, uh, in creation mode. That's not necessarily true. Um, you could be, you know, a completion person and still be an entrepreneur, but, um, 
like, I guess just really leaning into your strengths is super important and understanding it because you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated as hell if you're trying to live in the closing um, realm and you're a creation person. So, so did your wife compliment one of those energies? Compliment my wife's you? a creator as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, it's kind of interesting because we've done a lot of work with our teams over the years um, around the Colby. I'm a nine quick start. She's a nine quick start. Um, so, but see, this is what's super important because we can get frustrated with each other, even in that, it doesn't matter what you are. You can get frustrated because we're both starters and we don't finish shit. And so she's a little better. She's a little better than me, but not great. And so like, we literally, we've got a person that does all of our bookkeeping for our personal investments. I'm, I'm moving to the point where like one of my personal goals is to get a personal CFO because like, I'm tired of even trying to pretend that I know where I'm at. Like, I don't even care. I just want to make more money. And I want somebody to tell me, don't ever, don't ever let me know, you know, less than three hours that you need a hundred grand and that it's not in the account somewhere. Cause I either got to transfer it. I got to wire it, or I might need three days to pull it out of something, or I might even have to go make it like, so that's how I think. So, so along with energies, you also talked about, uh, these, this isn't your words, but I, it kind of seemed like flavor of energy as far as like, uh, um, like toward in a way, um, do you want, could you yeah. talk about that just a little bit? Super, super, super important. Maybe one of the most transformational things that I've been through in the last 12, 14 months with my coach. Um, we're really, really good about talking about what we don't want and identifying what we're trying to get away from. And that's an away energy. I don't want to be in my W-2 anymore. I don't want to have to go to work five days a week. I don't want to have to answer the phone whenever my boss is calling. I don't want to have to whatever. The most important thing that you could do, and I actually, if you could take nothing away from this call than this, like this is why I say it's so important to know what it is you actually really want because you're not trying to run away from a W-2 job. That's not what you're doing. What you really need to figure out is what is it that you really want? What, what are you moving toward? And that might sound obvious, but the reality is if you start taking inventory, and again, if you take nothing away from this call, but this, if you start taking inventory about your thought processes and how you're thinking about things, almost all of us are driven by away goals. We're trying to get away from something rather than moving towards something. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, for me, Early on, I was running away from not being present with my family. I was running, well, if, and you, you heard me say this, and this is exactly how I was thinking about it. Well, if I'm going to work 90 hours a week or 100 hours a week, I might as well do it for myself. So what am I running away from? I'm running away from bondage of somebody else telling me what I have to do. I'm not, I wasn't even saying that I didn't want to work 90 hours a week, but I might as well do it for myself. If I'm going to be held bondage and be away from my children, I might as well do it on my own terms. But what I was actually looking for was my freedom. I was looking for owning my time. I wanted to be able to go wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, with whoever I wanted. And you know what, if I want to spend $1,000 on it or 10,000 or 100,000, that's what I want. I want my freedom. I want my time. I want my, I heard Brian Tracy say something one time years ago. I think it was probably, I don't even know if I was a dad yet. I think I was. Um, he said, I've never heard somebody say when they were close to their deathbed, I wish I wouldn't have spent that much time with my children. And so that's like, you know, when, when I die or, you know, I want to, I want to look, I want my kids to say, you know what? He was always there. Every memory I have is my dad was there. That's, that's an, that's a toward goal. Right. Um, I, I, I said this early on, but 
you know, Karen and I set intentions when we were just first married that we wanted to create memories over possessions. And, and I said this, what we quickly realized is you could have both, right? My kids, we set intentions toward goals, one international trip per year. COVID screwed that up last year, but last year was like the first trip that we didn't take an international trip. And if I had known better, like we literally were in Hawaii on March 16th. And when we got back, like everything shut down. If I had known better, I would have taken an international trip because this is like the first year we didn't get an international trip in. And so those are the kind of goals that I, when I'm talking about toward goals, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And uh, before we get too far away from that, you, you said something that seemed really important to me, like as a dad um, about practices, like how important is your time um, in regards to your kids' practices? You know, I'm in a couple different organizations, Front Row Dads, one of them. I coach uh, a small number of guys one-on-one. -on -one. My wife and I have a couple's mastermind. And you know what I hear over and over and over? Excuses. I can't because of this. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, and it's more true with a W-2 job than it is without. But the reality is most people make just as many excuses when they're entrepreneurs or investors about what they can and can't do with their time. It's all excuses. Like it's all, it's all shit that's made up in our head. And it might be true in the sense that, you know, I can't take time off from my business because um, whatever. But the reality is you can't take time off from your business because you haven't become a better leader. You haven't invested in other people you've taken on too much work without replacing yourself. Those are all just excuses in my mind. And so what I really hear myself and other people saying is not that you can't take time off. It's that you haven't invested the amount of time in order to turn your business into an actual business and you just own a job. That's what I heard. And Nick brings up a good point. I let this get out of balance. Nick, we didn't even talk about this, but there's two times when I let this get out of balance after I had started my business. So 2005, maybe six. I can't remember the exact, I think it was late 2005. So maybe a year in, we've got a Home Depot construction job going. We're building a bank. Um, we had other, some other construction job going, service guys everywhere, mining contracts, just crazy. It's my wife's grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary in Wyoming. So we're going to leave for, you know, five, six, seven days, whatever the timeline was, go to the 50th wedding anniversary. I go to my partner and I said, Hey, I have to take this time off. And he's like, you can't leave right now. Like we've got all this, we were short staffed. We didn't have enough guys, blah, blah, blah. Nope. I'm leaving. Keeping my family a priority. I'm out. It'll, it'll work itself out. It always does. So I leave my in-laws own a ranch in Wyoming. There's no service there. So I'd have to literally go into town one time a day and just check. And I'd have 742 voice messages and 97,000 emails and you know, my partner's like, you got to get back here. Like there's no, ah, we're going to die. They're going to charge us and all this stuff. So I finally got to a point where, you know, the, the 50th wedding anniversary was a Saturday. We're supposed to go back home like Tuesday. I told my wife, I said, listen, Saturday night, I'm going to book a ticket Sunday morning. You're going to drive me to the airport. I'm going to fly back home. Um, I left, I left the family. And then, here's the thing. If it had just been like a little family trip, okay, maybe great. You got to go back home. Who cares? But like, it was like basically a family reunion for my wife's entire family, right? I'm meeting people that I've never met before. It's super important to her. Um, I fly back home Sunday morning. You know, I go to work Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They're driving home Tuesday. My sister-in-law's driving. Um, and 
my wife's like digging in the console, getting CDs out and my sister-in-law looking over as she's driving and she gets distracted and she drives off the side of the road and she overcorrects and rolls the car doing 85 miles an hour. And like all hell ensued, like this, where they rolled was an hour and a half. So it was literally Wendover, the town that I was working in. Um, when I quit my job, they literally rolled like five miles outside of Wendover between Salt Lake and Elko where I lived. So it's an hour and a half either way. And long story short, the, the ambulance decided to take them to Salt Lake instead of Elko because they had, the, because the kids were young, right? I mean, the kids were probably, my daughter doesn't even remember it. She was a baby. My middle son, he thinks he has glimpses of it, but my oldest son remembers it. I think he was probably seven. I don't know how old he was. Um, they took him to Salt Lake, but I got the phone call. I was actually in the grocery store. I get a phone call from a lady that like helped them all get out of the car and all this shit. And she's like, they're taking him to Elko. And so I go to the hospital and I'm waiting for my family to show up. And it's like two hours later and my family's still not there. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Um, the hospital calls the highway patrol. The highway patrol's like, no, they went to Salt Lake. Um, the sheriff's there at the hospital saying, no, they went to Elko. I've got three different police departments telling me they're in two different locations. They can't get the ambulance. I, I'm just like, what, what the hell is this? So like literally for like almost three hours, I didn't even know where my family was. And it's an hour and a half drive either way. And I think, <laughs> I'm not saying that any of that happens for a reason or whatever, um, but just that level of chaos, like how does that even happen? And I almost feel like it was just to like, you know, ingrain like, I don't think this happened for this reason, but it sure burned, a, like, it sure burned something in me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm never letting this shit get out of line ever. Um, and I did it one other time and I can't even remember what happened. Oh, I remember what happened. I'll make this one super short. I had a, I had a, um, I had a gold mine go out of business on us in 2007, 2008, it was right at the end of 07. Um, one of, I felt like it was COVID. Like when COVID hit, I felt like I was having a flashback. Um, they owed us 400 grand, um, went bankrupt. It was just, it, it, what ensued was like the worst two or three months of my life. I had to lay off like 30 employees. Um, now we're going into 08, which we didn't even see coming. Um, didn't get that money for a while, all kinds of lessons in that. But I remember, you know, when you lay off a third of your workforce, it's the opposite of what I talked about earlier, like leveraging people and all that kind of stuff. When you lay off a third of your workforce, now it's the opposite. You're and by the way, as an entrepreneur, just get used to it because I used to want to think that I wanted to find this baseline. You're, I, I don't think you're ever going to find, you know, just a baseline because that's being conservative. There's no risk in that. So you're always going to have ups and downs. And unfortunately um, it happens. But anyway, I go, I go to my wife, I'm working seven days a week again. And she looks at me and she's like, you're not yourself. You're short with the kids, like all this stuff. And I look at her and I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, I literally could lose my entire business. We could lose everything. And she looks at me and she said, what are they going to do? Take our kids? Like you're, you're forgetting the most important part of all of this. And I was like, you know what? She's fucking right. Like it, it hit me just, what are they going to do? Take your kids? Like what matters? Nothing. None of it matters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, I kind of ended it abruptly there because we went into another 20 or 30 minutes of question and answers, which you know, some of that was the guy's personal questions and that kind of stuff. So we decided to leave that out of the recording. I hope, um, like I said, that really just, you know, um, taught you guys something. I hope you got some value out of it. And as a side note, if you are considering leaving your W2 job, 
or even want to just, you know, get some insight into what that could possibly look like. As you heard from my story, I'm not, uh, I, you know, I didn't put a lot of years and years and years of thought into leaving the job. And I'm a firm believer that if you just really, um, you know, change your mindset and you really prepare yourself education wise, and you just are led by your intuition and what you really think you want out of life, you got to just go for it. But it does help, as I said, throughout the interview, when you've got, you know, coaches and people who surround you. So I'm getting ready to launch a 12 week, um, business buying course where we will discuss, you know, what's the, what's the business, what's the industry you want to get into? How do you find a deal? What does it look like getting financing? You know, how do you go through an acquisitions process? Um, and then we'll get into, you know, after the acquisition is done, how do you run a profitable business, et cetera, et cetera. And honestly, even if you're not looking to buy an existing business and you want to just start from scratch, uh, you will get value out of this course too. But specifically, as you've heard, if you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, I genuinely believe that we are in a period of time where there has never been a better opportunity to purchase a business. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in that, text the word business to 480-531-7519. Text the word business to 480-531-7519. And we'll get you on the list for that uh, live course. We're going to do it one time live. And then from there, it'll be a, a video series that you could watch. So you may, you most likely will not ever have the opportunity to go through this with me live. So um, if that's of interest to you, uh, just go ahead and text the word business to that number. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.